to get into our final panel for the day, but please be advised we will be opening up our happy hour after this. If you want to go out through the double curtains, we'll be uh, opening up that networking happy hour after this session. But if you would be so kind to take a seat and join me in welcoming our next set of panelists, we are welcoming to the stage Richard Carthon, the CEO of CryptoCurrent, Ian Bellina, CEO of Token Metrics. David Chase, the managing partner of Crescent City Capital, Acacia Digital, and Evolve Energy Partners, and Patrick Zielbauer, the director of global sales for Blockfills. So please give me a warm round of applause for them. All right. Well, it's been a great day. Hope you all have enjoyed all the great content that we have been uh, sharing, but we are going to finish with a bang. Uh, lots been going on in the market, and a lot of people kind of want to hear some different takes. So uh, as you all know, this is going to be the panel about smarter trading and things you can be doing uh, into the future. And so um, I'm Rich Carthon, as uh, Steve said. I'm one of the uh, founders of CryptoCurrent, helping to bridge the gap between people who know nothing about the space with the thought leaders and providing you know, solid ed educational content for that, and you know, we're helping to put on Agme, Asa's gonna make it, and um, have the pleasure of being on this amazing panel uh, with David, Ian, and Patrick, and I'll let them do a quick little intro of themselves, and we'll go ahead and dive in. David. All right, sure, so uh, Richard, thanks for putting this together, man, and you did a really good job. Uh, Steven, thank you. Uh, so David Chase, so I manage, uh, uh, along with uh, Richard and uh, Hunter, uh, who is here as well, uh, three uh, crypto ventures, um, all working, I believe, very synergistically with each other. Uh, Crescent City Capital, which is a uh, multi-strategy hedge fund. Uh, we launched in late 18, early 19. Uh, we have Acacia Digital, which we launched about a year ago, uh, which is a early stage uh, VC, um, early stage blockchain VC fund. Uh, and then we have our mining fund. Uh, we mine uh, exclusively Bitcoin now, uh, which is Evolve Energy Partners. All right, good afternoon. I'm Ian Bellina, founder and CEO of Token Metrics. We're an AI-driven crypto analytics platform, uh, also the partner of Token Metrics Ventures, which is a multi-strategy crypto hedge fund and VC fund. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Patrick Zielbauer. I am the director of sales for Blockfills. Uh, Blockfills is a liquidity and technology provider uh, to institutions in the, in the digital asset space. We provide liquidity in uh, spot, derivative, and lending markets, both uh, over-the-counter and API-driven, and our clients are mainly uh, multi-strategy hedge funds, asset managers, digital banks, exchanges, other OTC desks, uh, payments companies, and other institutions looking to uh, participate in this very exciting space. Thanks for coming. Awesome. Well, excited to have you all. Um, it's super easy to trade in a bull market, and you pretty much put your money in something and all of a sudden it goes up. It's a different story when it's a bear market. And we've now been in a bear market basically since the beginning of the year, and it could potentially be extended out. What are things that people can be doing right now to start to plan and, and be able to be a smarter trader right here in this moment during this bear market? Dave can kick it off. Okay. Uh, so uh, 
When I started trading, you know, 10 years ago, and obviously a lot of different markets, uh, this, there was a saying who I'm sure you guys have all heard, uh, bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. And you know the the, the idea here is is that you obviously don't want to uh, don't want to be greedy. So you know I think that the you know my my answer to the uh, to, to your question would not necessarily be a directional play. You know yes it is easy to buy something, watch it go up, and you know ha have paper money. Um, but uh, but it's a lot harder to pull the trigger and to actually you know sell the asset if you are trading it. You know it's a different story if this is a long term play for you. It's part of a balanced portfolio. Um, so, you know, my answer would just be, you know, don't, don't get greedy. You know, if you see an, a an entire asset class that goes up, you know, thousands of a percent in a year, you know, you might want to take a little bit off the table and, uh, and you know, monetize, uh, monetize those gains. So the way I view it is the bear market is the best time to invest in crypto. That's where the best returns, the best value is found. Buy low, sell high. It sounds very basic, but that's how you make money in crypto. And in, in my opinion and in my personal experience, all the best investments come in a bear market specifically because the people who are still around now, they're active in crypto. They're here for the long term. Those who came here for the, the quick gains, the quick profits, the, the flashy, sexy, ma making money in crypto, they've left. They've, they've left, left the building. Now when you go to a crypto conference and it's all developers who are hungry, still building, building the, the future of crypto, and they'll sit there with you and talk to you for an hour about their project, not having to compete with other VCs. I mean, to me, this is really a thriving opportunity to make money in crypto. Well said. Uh, the first thing I would say is that if you found yourself in a position uh, where you were attracted to what we saw over the past year and you, and you, and you did you know, sort of fall into a hole as a result of that, um, you, you are definitely not alone as an individual. Our, our company specializes in providing financial products and trading and hedging solutions to enterprise level institutions, and they all made the same mistakes. Um, we, we, we service a lot of the mining community who uh, you know, have a lot of Bitcoin on their balance sheet, or at one point did, now they all sell it. They don't hold it anymore because they can't afford to. But you know, we, as a company, we would go to these companies and say, look, the market is red hot. The skew is crazy. You, sh you should think about some sort of hedging or downside protection strategy, and no one listened to us. I, I can't tell you how many times I was laughed out of the room, I mean, figuratively speaking, when I would talk about those sorts of solutions coming from a commodity futures background. So the first thing I would say is that you're not alone. You know, some, some really smart people made, made mistakes in the last year as well. Um, but the other thing I would say is that, you know, in a flat market like what we're seeing lately, you know, don't, don't be afraid to look for, you know, uh, more uh, market-neutral solutions to, you know, to, to, to trade. And so we're very active in the options business. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit as well, but um, it's not just all, always directional. Some of the more successful groups that we interact with are very neutral in their positioning, and some of those tools are starting to become more available to, um, you know, to, re to, to the retail public as well. So market-neutral strategies, strategies that are not, not as, as biased in one direction or the other might be something to consider if you're anticipating you know, the macroeconomic environment to keep the lid on things for, uh, for a while. So something to think about. I'm actually gonna pass it right back to you because um, my next question was actually gonna be on that. So 
how do you hedge against all the different risks that is really out there? I mean, obviously there's a ton of FUD that's out there, which, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and it, it's going in both directions, right? So we, we've seen moments where the market all of a sudden, you know, goes from 18,000 all the way up to 22, and you're like, all right, we're back, and then the next day it's right back down, and uh, everyone's saying one thing or another, but how can you start to hedge against um, some of these risks that are out there? And I know you start to touch on a few of those. Yeah, so I mean, the, the strange, Part about that, the answer to that question right now is that no one considered counterparty risk to be the main risk in our business up until like six months ago. Now counterparty risk is the only thing that we get asked about first. You know, it's counterparty risk and credit. Um, you know, because again, we are we are facing more of an institutional client base. Um, but I but I would say that you know, going back to the point about the options market, you know, th there was a time when when Bitcoin was trading over sixty thousand dollars where you could theoretically sell uh, a call, a $120,000 call, and, and buy a, a $48,000 put for, for no, no cost. It was referred to as a zero-cost collar. It's an extremely common trade in, in other assets. And when you start to see that kind of risk-reward ratio just get so out of bounds, it's time to start thinking about you know, ways to protect yourself without forcing you to necessarily close your position. So again, you know, the, 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 the over-the-counter options market is not available to the, the retail public yet. There, there will come a time where I think it will become more accessible. You have to be a qualified counterparty to interact with us in this way, but it should not prohibit you from uh, at least becoming aware of those strategies and looking, you know, potentially even to domestic uh, regulate, reg, regulated exchanges where, where you might be able to initiate those sorts of transactions because it, it is coming. A real derivatives market, an options market, is what, what feeds the institutional adoption that I think we're going to see uh, for the foreseeable future. So, um, you know, look for hedging strategies that you can trade around, uh, you know, your core position so that you don't necessarily have to close out your trades or, um, you know, incur taxable events and the sorts of things we heard, you know, earlier in the day. So on... On the investing side, the way I view hedging, risk, and investing in crypto, you, you always have to diversify. It sounds very simple, but let's take, for example, Ethereum, right? I'm very bullish on Ethereum. I think it's the future, but you can't put, put all your eggs in one basket. So you hedge away that risk by saying, if Ethereum were to lose, what's the next potential replacement for that? Whether Solana, Avalanche, Near, and the way we view investing is we always have three or four different potential winners as a backup. That way, if one goes completely under, Luna, for example, right, you're still alive, right? So for us, we, we like to hedge both on the investing side in, in terms of a particular category. Let's say DeFi, DeFi on Ethereum, DeFi on Avalanche, DeFi on Near or whatever, and then also other crypto asset classes like NFTs, right? For a moment of time, NFTs weren't really correlated with regular crypto assets. For the first time, we actually had a different category in crypto. Where our, so for example, we have legacy markets where we have equity, stocks, which aren't really correlated with art. And for the first time in crypto, during the last bull run, the same thing was happening with NFTs. There was a period of about six months or more where NFTs were going up as crypto was going down, or ETH was going down. And that was a good way to hedge away that risk. So we like to go through different asset classes, different categories inside of crypto, and see how we can mitigate that risk by hedging and putting assets in other places. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to uh, hit on three three points that have kind of been touched on. Uh, one, I'll just I'll be brief because it's it unfortunately is not available for retail. But our uh, most volume at Crescent City uh, over the last six months has been in the options market. 
uh, you know, the collars that, um, that uh, Patrick was talking about uh, are a big strategy for us. You know, it allows us to hold, um, you know, on both, on both sides. You know, we, we can hold cash on our books while still having, um, you know, potential call upside and selling puts. Um, so that I think, and I agree, I think that that's coming uh, for the retail world, and I think that you know that's going to be the best hedging strategy. Uh, the second thing that I'll say is something that um, hasn't really been touched on too much, but um, I think that everybody needs to uh, realize uh, their you know taxable losses this year. Uh, if you you know if you were to have bought, as Patrick was saying at the beginning of the year, the end of last year, um, you know, and you, you're a believer, you're a long-term holder in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or whatever. Uh, you know, other token you might you might have. Um, you can sell that, and you can immediately buy it back. There's no wash rule in crypto, uh, and you can and you can realize that loss. Uh, and then the third thing is, um, you know, we we trade spreads, which you can anybody in this room can do that. I mean, Coinbase is uh, is a great is a is a platform, not a great platform, but a platform that you can do it on. Uh, and uh, and you know, we look at uh, at Crescent City uh, at our at our portfolio in a couple of different ways. A couple different ways. Uh, one would be, you know, and obviously dollar terms because that's what our limited partners look at it as. Uh, but also in, in Bitcoin terms. So, you know, the, the idea would be to obviously generate as, most, as much cash as you can, U.S. dollars. Uh, but we also like to look at, you know, generating as much Bitcoin as possible. And so there's a lot of Bitcoin-denominated pairs out there, um, nearly everything on Bitcoin, uh, excuse me, on Coinbase uh, and Kraken, for, for that matter, um, is uh, denominated in Bitcoin. So, you know, look at, you know, things that, uh, you know, tokens in a, in a bear market, look at tokens or other cryptocurrencies uh, that have outperformed against Bitcoin. Um, and, um, you know, think about, you know, we'll, you know, look, look at, you know, what is this going to is this going to potentially come back against Bitcoin since we are in this bear, uh, bear market? Bitcoin dominance is continuously, you know, creeping up. And then, you know, we can trade out of this token into Bitcoin. And then, you know, again, there's no wash rule potentially back into the token at a later date. Uh, so that's a I think that trading uh, spreads is another good way to uh, to hedge yourself in, as a retail investor. I think all th three of those were exceptional responses. And I think something that no one anticipated at the beginning of this year uh, was three cataclysmic events that kind of built on each other. Right. So you had the Terra Luna event that happened. Then you had three URLs capital fail. And then you had basically multiple other institutions like Voyager and several others that kind of cascaded within that. And a lot of it had to do from over leveraging in other ways. I even know someone who came on our show who was super bullish on Luna, sold all of their Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana, put it all into Luna and no longer exist. Going back to your example of why diversification is important. But nobody could have, like at the end of last year, if, you, if somebody would have told you, hey, Bitcoin's going back to 18,000, you probably would have laughed at them. But here we are. How can people learning from these moments begin to put strategies in place. So obviously you can always minimize your downside, but also be able to capitalize on the upside that's out there. And I'm gonna point this to Ian first. How, how can people minimize the risk? <clears throat> so, I mean, I'll, I'll start very simple, right? So one, begin with custody of your crypto, right? Don't put all your crypto in one wallet, on one exchange, and don't put all your crypto in one crypto asset, right? So for example, like us with a fund, even if we were just in stable coins, we have separate stable coins across different exchanges, 
and we go through and vet each stablecoin to make sure this is something we want to hold on the books long term if there's a crash or if there's liquidity risk, right? Because that's something people on crypto don't really factor in. But as you mentioned before, there are lots of landmines in crypto, whether counterparty risk, whether liquidity risk, whether smart contract risk, whether getting hacked risk, right? So you have to factor in all these different risks and see how you can mitigate them, whether through DeFi insurance or even regular insurance, but just always try to see how can you mitigate the risk and make sure if, the, if, the, if a black swan event happens, if the worst possible thing happens, are you still protected? And if that is yes, then that helps you sleep better at night. Yeah, I mean, my answer is also diversification. Um, you know, it's not just diversification in uh, in crypto. You know, you, it's it's also diversification in in your custody solution, whether it be you know a hardware wallet, um, you know, a, a Coinbase, Kraken. Um, you know, you you if if you have you know a million dollars in cash, you know, you're not going to keep a million dollars in one bank account because you're only FDIC insured up to two hundred fifty thousand. So you know, you're going to keep these, you're going to keep your cash in different bank accounts. The same should apply uh, to crypto. You want you know you want to keep it in um, in different accounts. Yeah. So I guess the the, the way I would respond to this is, you know, the, behave like an asset manager. So when we onboard a hedge fund at Blockfills, they read the fine print. They read the disclaimers. They, 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 they know that if, for example, they're lending assets to us, that those assets are being rehypothecated to some, someplace else. Everything gets marked up and read and reread, and that's why it takes you know, weeks or, or months to do anything. If, if David or Ian on board at Blockfills, do you think that if they're gonna trade with us, they're just gonna pile all their assets in first and then, just, and then wait six weeks and then decide to trade? No, they're gonna come to us and they're gonna say, we want some credit, we wanna understand your custody, we're gonna put on a little trade and we're gonna settle afterwards. You know, the, the, behave like an asset manager, read the fine print, understand counterparty risk, it's the number one thing you can do to protect yourselves right now. And of course, as, as individual investors, we are, you know, we're, we're more limited. We, we don't have, we can't command the same authority as, as, as a large fund. But there are things you can do you know, just basic understanding of who your counterparties are. Take your crypto off the exchanges when you know when, when you're not trading it. Um, the things that these gentlemen just mentioned. Uh, but you know, the, the I think the number one thing to really consider would be, which is on everyone's mind going forward from from this point on, is you know, if you deposit assets somewhere, are those assets being lent to some other place? And if so, you know, who's vetting those parties? Because you know, that's how all all of, all of this went down. So. I think the, the the counterparty risk element is probably the, the 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 most important element of this at all. Just to to tag back on that of reading the fine print, a lot of people didn't necessarily read the fine print around Celsius, for example. When you think about what is a bank, if you give a bank your money, they're basically uh, giving them your money and they're promising to give it back. But they don't. I mean, they're FDIC insured now, so you know you're up to 250, so you know you're you're safe for that. In crypto. That doesn't exist. So what happened with Celsius when they over leveraged and you couldn't get your money back was because they don't have a promise to give you that back. The fine print is we're going to get your money. We're going to trade this money because we think we are smarter than you. Make more money on that and then give you these high yields uh, as a thank you for, for lending us your money. So going back to the example of like how, why you should be de-risking all this and, and looking out into the future. Of course, we all wish we had a crystal ball. We'd all be rich. But there's a lot of different macro factors happening right now in the world um, that have nothing to do with crypto. But then, of course, you have everything that is going on in the crypto space. What is your take on what the next 
six to 18 months look like? Well, 18 is probably too far. Let's, let's just do three to six months. What do you think the next three to six months look like in the crypto space? Want me to start with that? Sure. Um, so one thing I, I will say about this is that, and this gives me a, a lot of hope and enthusiasm, is that after June, June was a stressful month for me. It was a stressful month for all of us, right? And as a company, we were, you know, we're wondering what's happening in the space. But we made some good risk management decisions. We didn't get wrapped up in a lot of this stuff that is in the news. And so when we came out of June, we were excited about what, what, what's, gonna, what's gonna happen next. And the fact that some of our bigger competitors have had to pull back a bit because of some getting distracted by all the shiny objects out there. Um, but the rate, it, the volumes are down, okay? We're a trading company, we look at volume. Volumes are down. But what hasn't gone down is the rate at which we are onboarding institutional clients. And I don't just mean hedge funds. I mean people in the payments business, gaming companies, um, you know, uh, other OTC desks and brokerages, companies around the world that are helping people get out of their crappy fiat currencies. You know, I mean, it, the, the rate at which this is taking hold is not slowing down. And further, you know, I, I know we don't like to talk about banks, okay, but for a proper market to exist, a, a real over-the-counter derivative market must exist. It exists in every other commodity on the planet. And we are gonna see, I think in the next year, we're gonna start to see major, big institutions, uh, domestically, maybe a little slower, but overseas much faster, engage in cash settle derivative trading at an enormous scale. And that kind of, uh, of adoption, once that happens, you know, this thing is here to stay. So I, I don't know how quickly that's gonna happen, but I do think within a year or so, we're gonna start to see major participation at the, you know, third and second tier banking level globally. And you know, that, that's gonna drive adoption even quicker. Um, and then eventually, you know, when, when people figure out what's going on here in the States and, and the banks start to participate, then you know, the, the train's left the station. So that's sort of my prediction for the next year or so. So my prediction for the next three to six months, I'm still bearish, but in a good way, right? So in the sense that we're, on, the, on the VC side, we're seeing valuations for startups come back down to reality. Right, startups that were trying to raise capital in the last six to nine months are now repricing their rounds because now capital is hard to come by, especially after all the, all the bearish sentiment in crypto. Right? So on that, on that aspect, very, very bullish on it. Uh, if you take, for example, projects like Polygon Network, right? Last cycle, you could have purchased Polygon on public markets for under a penny. It, it then went on to do over 400x, I believe. It went from under a penny to 270. Right? And we're seeing now the same value on public markets as well. Right? Lots of projects that have great technology, great communities, great ecosystems are down over 95% from all-time high, if not even more. Right? So we think these projects, similar to Polygon, for the next cycle, will have those huge 100x returns. Right? So in the next three to six months, we're basically going through, creating a watch list of crypto assets we think will bounce back and are still thriving now based on data, based on fundamentals, and we think will drive the next market cycle. So my prediction is there's lots of value on public markets and on, the, on private markets, companies are coming back down, down to reality. Uh, so I agree with uh, what they're saying. I, I do, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, we're, we're seeing in the space uh, is the same as Ian. You know, we, we've seen valuations come down, but we've also seen um, money that you know was typically on the sidelines starting to be uh, invested. Uh, there were, I think, the numbers around 13 billion dollars 
that was earmarked for crypto investments uh, raised in cash in 21. Uh, a, a lot of those dollars were put to work at the beginning of the year. Uh, second quarter, it slowed down. Third quarter, it really came to, you know, a, a, beginning of third quarter really came to a halt. And now we're seeing those dollars being uh, put, put to work again. Uh, so that, I think from, a, from the venture side, from the project development, from the token side, from the, you know, building out blockchain, I think that, you know, that's, I'm, I, I'm very bearish, I mean, excuse me, bullish on that. Uh, you know, even now, uh, you know, over the next couple of years. Um, but on the, you know, the, the, the market side, I have a little bit different view. I think that, um, I think that all eyes are on the Fed right now. I've, I've said this a million times. Richard's heard me say this a lot. Um, and, you know, it's, the Fed is between a rock and a hard place. I mean, they, they really don't have uh, a, a good place to go. You know, they, have, they either are going to fight inflation and continue to hike rates, uh, or uh, you know they're going to uh, capitulate, and you know they're they're going this the you know inflation will uh, will, will will be rampant, and uh, and uh, you know the, the stock market should not suffer as much. And, you know the reason I say that is because we've seen over the last six to twelve months uh, a real coupling to equity to the equity market uh, for you know the major crypto assets like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, I believe that that has started to decouple a little bit, um, but you know I, I don't think we're out of the woods by any means yet for for the next six to twelve months. I think that um, you know we we do have uh, have a have a ways to go, and and hopefully the Fed will will figure figure this thing out, pivot a bit. Absolutely, and I think all of that. Uh we're going to be recording a lot of this, and I want y'all to potentially go back and listen to it because there's just a lot of really good gems from what all of them said. And it's going to be interesting to see how the macro, I think, affects how cryptos continue to be received and, and being put out there. I think that a lot of crypto has been in conjunction with the macro, but right now it's kind of been in a side-by-side -side step, and I think that's gonna to continue to progress for a while. So I also think in the short term, things are looking pretty pretty bearish. I think they could potentially, uh, I don't think we've necessarily seen the bottom yet. I think we still got some, some we haven't seen Max Payne yet, but I think we are gonna come out on the side of this. Uh, as, as the name says, I, I, wag me, we're all gonna make it, but I do think that um, not only just is Austin gonna make it, but as you can start to do smarter trading, as you can start to learn from all the different ways that you can hedge, and de-risk and look for certain opportunities. There's a lot, of, a lot of upside. And uh, I think there's all the companies that are up here between Blockfields, Token Metrics, uh, Crest Stadia, Acacia, well, are, they're finding ways to make sure that we all make it uh, through these bearish times. So I wanna say thank you to the panel. I wanna say thank you to all uh, for participating. And uh, yeah, appreciate everybody's time. Yeah. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so we're gonna, um, wrap up real quick. Which one? All right, so um, this has been the very first inaugural AGME. Thank you all so much for being a part of this. Um, I hope you enjoyed all of the amazing speakers and content we were able to provide for y'all. Um, I hope y'all have been enjoying networking and meeting all the amazing people that are here. We're going to continue that. Um, we have a lot of uh, great things on the horizon, but first I wanna start just by saying thank you to all the speakers. Another round of applause for all the amazing speakers that we had today. I think they all did it. An incredible job, and again, we did record this, so if you wanna go back and listen and potentially share, you'll have the ability to do that. Which went to happen that twice?
So you should be seeing the sponsors up on screen, is that correct? Fantastic, because we need to owe them a huge thanks, right? So big shout out to, of course, title sponsor CryptoCurrent, but also our DGEN donors, Curios and Howl, and our community catalysts who were instrumental for us as well, Acacia Digital Holdings, Crescent City Capital, SVG Capital, more time for me, and the people who actually informed you about it, right? Our media partners. So to CryptoCurrent, Howl, Wranglers, Blockfills, Crypto News, NFT Evening, Brave New Coin, Texas Blockchain, and WRST Collabs. We really do appreciate every single one of them for chiming in and helping us to make this event a reality. Um, it's been really special doing this for you guys, and we look forward to hopefully hosting another event for you in the very near future. Thank you for joining us for another episode of CryptoCurrent. CryptoCurrent is a cryptocurrency and blockchain education platform that's bridging the gap between the curious newcomers who are just discovering the space and the thought leaders who are shaping its future. All opinions expressed by Richard Carthon, the CryptoCurrent team, and their guests on this show are exclusively their own opinions. This show and any other CryptoCurrent production is exclusively for informational purposes. Hey, CryptoCurrent crew. We want to give a quick shout out to all of our faithful listeners out there. It's been an amazing journey, and we really appreciate your support throughout the years as we've been growing as a community. Each episode, we decided that we would start sharing some of the reviews that you were leaving for us. For today, we would like to share this review. We sincerely appreciate this review and all reviews and would like to ask that if you're enjoying our show, please take a quick moment to go and leave a review on our podcast so that hopefully we can be highlighting your review next. Simply go to our show notes or go to our website where we have a link where you can share your review today. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For more information on today's episode and all of our episodes, please visit us at www.crypto-current.co. You can also find a link in the show notes. Want to stay up to date in the latest news in cryptocurrency? Sign up for our newsletter today. You'll receive daily emails Monday through Friday that are personalized and curated content specific to you and your interest, powered by artificial intelligence. You can either go to our show notes or go to our website to sign up today. We would like to give a special shout out to our Moon sponsor, Acacia Digital. Acacia invests in partners with early stage blockchain companies who are solving complex problems in large markets. Acacia partners with projects that have established technology and communities. Acacia supports public projects exhibiting strong momentum and capacity to grow into large markets. Acacia also directly participates in limited releases such as NFTs tied to unique experiences, access, or products. For more information, go to acaciadigital.io. Again, that's acaciadigital.io. Are you an accredited investor looking to invest in cryptocurrency? Crescent City Capital can help. Go to crescentcitycapital.com for more information. I don't know if you've noticed, but the quality of our podcast each week are improving. I can only thank my amazing producer, Andrew DeRitter with DeRitter Productions, who has been putting all of this together. If you have any podcast, music, or audio needs, please go to deritterproductions.com.